0: Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearchurch.com or download our app, available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. I read something in the Houston Chronicle, I believe it was last week, about a shortage that we're facing in the Houston area. It is a shortage of referees. (laughs) I am not joking. (laughs) High school referees, especially in basketball, are are dropping out. And they're having a hard time filling those slots. In fact, they've had to change basketball games to different nights to fill in with with the referee. There's there's a shortage. And it's not only in Houston, it's all over the nation. The last few years, they've lost 50,000 referees. And you want the number one reason? Parental abuse. Now, if this is you that I'm talking to, just stare straight ahead and go praise God. <laughs> I am so glad. Parental abuse. The reps are catching so much flack from fans, from parents, from coaches, and players. They're dropping out. There's an interesting, interesting note that said that uh, it, it was written actually in the New York Times, which I would not call necessarily a Christian organization. Um, and they said that that in the last few years that the number of civic discontent that has has risen to the point from 2011 to 2019, all over the world, riots, strikes, and anti-government demonstrations have increased over 244%. And so this, this article said there is a global epidemic of sadness and anger. And I believe we can all admit that as we look around, we're not getting calmer and happier as a nation that we're getting angrier. And this morning I want to talk about anger adjustments. Now that's something that I know has touched so many and if the Holy Spirit snaps your picture this morning, just stare straight ahead and go, amen, this is good. I wish other people were hearing this. This, this look, this look. <laughs> but the bottom line is so many of us have, have deal with anger. And let me just, full disclosure, I have someone that for years dealt with anger. And so I'm not coming down to you as the preacher who's who's on your case, I'm coming to you as someone who's saying there are answers. Things that cause anger in our lives, there's many, one of them is fear. And this is something that's interesting when there's an uncertainty. A lot of times people can respond in anger. I know a lot of times I've seen with men when we can't fix something, it results in anger. Physical pain causes anger and so does emotional pain. People just when they're hurting, there's the the old phrase, hurting people hurt people. And so often there's a lashing out there. Frustrations can cause anger. I I think that's one of the biggest keys behind road rage. And by the way, you wanna be nice to people on the road, I I hear the national statistic, 65% of drivers have a weapon in the vehicle. And that's gotta be higher in Texas, you know it's higher in Texas. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they got like, oh, there's knives and baseball bats. I'm like, Mm-mm, not in Texas. I know, I know what we're carrying. But frust- frustration is 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 a reason for anger. There was a, a pastor who moved into a new neighborhood, and he was out riding his bike one day, just kind of getting the lay of the land. And he saw a little boy sitting by the about 10 years old sitting on the curb. Didn't look happy. So he stopped his bike, introduced himself as the new pastor. And said, son, you don't look happy. What's going on? He said, well, all my friends are out playing and riding their bikes and I don't have a bike. Pastor said, well, I know you've got a lawnmower. He said, I I just moved in. I need a lawnmower. You need a bike. Why don't we do a trade? Little boy said, great, great. And they traded. pastor took the lawnmower home, changed the spark plugs, put some fresh gas in it, pulled the cord, wouldn't start. Pulled it and pulled it. He couldn't get that lawnmower to start. So he went looking for that little boy. Found him happily riding on his bike. And uh, he stopped him. he said, he said, son, he said, I think you got the best of me in that trade. I, I can't get this lawnmower to start. The little boy said, oh, preacher, you gotta cuss it. <laughs> he said, excuse me? He said, you gotta cuss at it. You can't get it to start until you cuss at it. And preacher kind of, he said, son, I want you to know that I gave up cussing a long time ago. And the boy said, you keep pulling that cord, preacher, it'll come back to you. Y'all laughed too hard at that. (laughs) Frustration causes anger. But here's the problem with anger. Anger, if you don't check it, can hurt you personally. It's it's not good for your health. Anger, if you don't check it, can hurt other people around you. But there's good news. You can check anger. You You can stop it. You can, you can put a hold on it. I want you to see this verse here. Don't sin. This is new living. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. One translation maybe you're familiar with said, be angry, but don't sin. So in other words, anger can come, but we don't have to, to give in to it. We can stop it. Our family goes to the beach. We try to go to the beach every year. And... Uh, we have discovered that if you rent it, they will come. And so all the children come, and we were there together, and we had just gotten there, and it's that, it's that drive. It's destined. so it's that drive down. Don't you love Highway 10 in the summertime? Oh, my. That's enough to make you lose your Christianity. But anyway, I got you. I, got, I was sitting on the balcony just, just enjoying the beat, and, and all of a sudden, I got hit with a sickness. I could not describe it. It just came over me just like... And I'm like, oh man, I feel horrible. And I kept waiting for it to go away. And man, I'm rebuking, I just felt bad. I went inside, I laid on the bed and I'm laying in the bed. I'm feeling horrible and Joy comes in. Now Joy likes to ask questions. And when I'm sick, she seems to like to ask more questions than usual. <laughs> and I'll be honest with you, when I'm sick, I don't want you asking me questions. I want you leaving me alone. And she comes in and she said something to me. Now I'm in pain. Man, I snapped her head off. It was not pretty. I lashed out at her. And I forget, she just stood there, she looked at me. She said, well, she said, if you're gonna believe God for healing, I suggest you walk in love. (laughs) Oh, she wasn't done. And she's just, you know, smiling. She said, and if you want me to take you to the ER, you better be nice. And she walked out of the room. I'm laying there sick, and I'm like, so, anger. I checked it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Take me, take me to the ER. But I know that even though I was angry, even though I snapped, you you can put a hold on it. And so the idea, listen, if you you've dealt with anger, sometimes that sounds like such a such an. I don't know if I can do that. Yeah, you can. And so you have to believe that you can you can come through that. And so there's a great story in the Bible about a man who who made some anger adjustments, and some really good adjustments that he made. His name was Naaman. He was a, a, a man, the Bible calls him a mighty man of valor. If The Bible calls you a mighty man of valor, you are no sissy. You are a strong guy, he was the commander of the Syrian army, he's a, they said he was a, a great noble man, he's a mighty man of valor, he's a man's man. He's, a, he's quite a figure in the nation of Syria, but he had a problem because he had leprosy. And he had captured, a, gone into Israel and actually done a raid and captured some Israelis, made them slaves, and a little slave girl from Israel said, you know, if you were in Israel, there's a prophet there by the name of Elisha, he can get you healed of that. And Naaman told the king of Syria, the king of Syria wrote a letter to the king of Israel, pretty much demanding that, that Naaman be healed of this leprosy. And Elisha, King of Israel was upset. And uh, Elisha said, send him to me. He said, I'll show him there's a prophet in Israel. And so Naaman makes a trip. Let's read it here. Naaman went with his horses and chariot and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. Naaman became furious and went away and said, indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abana and the Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more when he says to you, Wash and be clean. So he went down, dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. Aren't you glad we got a God that can restore? But here's here's the interesting story on this. So Naaman, he he makes a genuine effort to show up. You know, he has leprosy and he he goes and this is not like, hey, I'm gonna jump in the truck and and drive to, to Willis. This is a trip. This is a long trip in a chariot and he had people all around him. I mean, this was quite an entourage. He got chariots and horses and soldiers. He's not going into enemy territory by himself. And so it was quite an effort to get there. He made a genuine effort and he brought money. He brought, brought a lot of money, silver and gold and, and changes of clothing. So you know he had soldiers protecting that. And he goes and it's kind of humbling to go and show up in, the, in your enemy's neighborhood and Basically, you know, it's an humbling thing. So he shows up in Elijah's cul de sac, and he's, you know, he's standing there, and it's kind of humbling. Here, here he comes, and Elisha doesn't even come out. Elisha sends his personal assistant out, and he comes out and goes, um, Which one of you is Naaman? Naaman? Yeah. Go dip in the Jordan seven times. You'll be clean. Have a nice day. Turn around and walked out. I'm sure Naaman's like, can I see a manager here? Can I, can I, talk, can I talk to somebody? What, what? And, and that's all he said. And for Naaman, that was not the answer that he was looking for. I mean, for one thing, he is a, a, he's a man of power. He's a dignified man. Don't send your assistant out. But the assistant came and talked to him. Elisha didn't even show up. And uh, so I'm sure that was kind of starting to make him frustrated. And then, you know, Elisha tells him uh, what to do, but but Naaman already had it in his mind about how this was going to work. He said, I said to myself, he will come out and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand. We understand coming from Syria, all he knew was foreign gods and and the priest of these foreign idol and these foreign gods Man, they would always have a show. There was always a show going on. When you don't have power, you need a show. And so, man, he had a show going. He was expecting a show, and there was no show. It was the the assistant. And then, to add insult to injury, he said, go wash in the Jordan." The name is like, I've seen the Jordan, it's a nasty river. We got nicer rivers in, in Damascus. We got the Habana and the far park. If, we, if we're going to wash, I could wash in them. And you could see he is building up this frustration. This is getting angry and the Bible said he was furious and he went away in a rage, left skid marks in the cul-de-sac he is just getting out of there. He is angry. But what Naaman did next was smart. He's furious, he's frustrated. He made this trip for nothing and he's fuming but here's what he didn't do. He didn't take it out on the people around him. He was angry, but he didn't lash out at his servants and the soldiers around him. In fact, so much that he was able to receive good counsel from them. They were able to come to him and say, say, my father, um, if he told you to do something great, you'd do it. He just said, go wash. You see, it really wasn't about the river. It was about the obedience. And so... Naaman was on a, he rerouted. He was on an anger path that would have carried him right back to Syria without healing. And he was able to listen to counsel and to reroute and to go down to the river and to dip seven times, and he came up completely clean. Naaman made an anger adjustment, and he walked away healed. See, I think one of the things we don't realize a lot of times is when we adjust from anger, we position ourselves to get answers you don't get answers when we're angry so how can you make an anger adjustment in your life can you do it yeah you can do it You sure can but here's the first thing you're gonna to have to do is this embrace the idea that anger does not control you you need to embrace the idea I, I, I hear people all the time they say things like well you know I'm just angry I'm Irish you know, I've heard that from Polish, Jewish, <laughs> Italian, Hispanic. Everyone's like, you know, I'm, I'm Caucasian. I'm angry. That's it. What? <laughs> Oftentimes, people have embraced that anger instead of embracing the answer to the anger. Look, look at this, what it says in Psalms. It says, stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. Now that's new living. The New King James says, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Don't fret. It only causes harm. That word fret, people think, well, I'm just fretting. Actually, that word means to burn. It means to burn up. That's that, that's that hot anger. And you have to realize that anger may come, but anger does not have to control you. And so you say, well, you know, Alan, you know, I've been angry all my life. You can change and God can help you. There was a man who... Uh, his name is Leroy Eames. And Leroy, Leroy came to the Lord, and uh, he said after he came to the Lord, he was in a men's group, kind of like some of the groups we have here. And they encouraged him that whatever he read in the Bible, to apply it to his life. And so Leroy started reading, and he was reading in uh, Colossians 3. And in Colossians 3 8, it says, And you yourselves put off all of these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. And he read that, and uh, he kind of kept reading, he said, but the Holy Spirit kept drawing him back to it. Put these off, put these off. And Leroy confessed, he said, I had a horrible temper. He said, my temper was, was really bad. He said, uh, when I would get angry, he said, I would take my fist, I would hit something. He said, I, he said, I bloodied my knuckles. He said, I, I busted a beautiful ring my wife gave me. He said, I had an uncontrollable temper. And even though I was a Christian, he said, it wasn't getting any better. He said, but the Holy Spirit kept drawing me back to Colossians 3.8. He said, finally, I realized that's not just God writing and talking to the church at Colossae. He said, that's God speaking to me. And said, he began to take that verse. And so he told the Lord, he said, Lord, I'm gonna make a covenant with you. I will work on this if you will help me. And so he took Colossians 3.8, he said, and he memorized it. And then he went over it every day. And then he, he would ask the Lord, Lord, bring this verse to my memory when I'm starting to get out of control. And he asked his wife to pray for him. He said, this is what happened. He said, Colossians 3, 8 became a part of me. He said, and gradually that anger subsided. What he did was so accurate. The psalmist said this. He said, your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. So when you begin to take God's word, a lot of times people say, I have anger, I have anger. I just have anger, I have anger. Well, excuse me, you don't have to keep, just stay with that. You need to change that up. And so he began to say, I'm putting off anger. I'm putting it off. Here's something that'll help you guys. Continuing to say you have anger issues, you're an angry person, that's not helping you get over it. All that's doing is establishing it in your life. It's already there. You need to say something else. You need to say, thank you, Lord. I can put anger off. Thank you, Lord. Anger does not have to bother. Thank you, Lord. I don't have to lose my temper. Thank you, Lord. And you can begin to come out of that. My son-in-law, some of you, I can, I can feel your skepticism as you're looking at me now. But my son-in-law, he's been married to my, Josh. He is a wonderful guy for a Canadian. And... Uh, <laughs> No, I love, I love he, he's, he's a good man. And, uh, but he refuses to believe my daughter that I am not an, an angry, that I was an angry man who was harsh with my words. He refuses to believe that. He said, no, he told Christine, he said, yeah, he's known me for the last eight years. But if he'd have known me earlier, he would have known that oftentimes I was angry. And oftentimes my anger, the un- unfortunate thing about anger is anger will cause you to do things you don't want to do and now i never hit joy and let me just go on record there is no excuse for a man hitting a woman period end of discussion that's it none i've, I've never hit joy she has hit me but <laughs> i have never hit her with my fist i have hit her with my words and guys sometimes words Do more damage than fists. And anger, the reason you want to begin to put it away is blowing up, blowing your temper. It's not going to help. But you can put it away. Find a verse that promises that and begin to make that a part of your life. He said Colossians 3 8 became a part of me. And it began to subside. Put God's word in and stop stop making excuses and going, Well, that's you know, that's just the way I've always been, Alan. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, thank God you're not an old dog. You're a new creation in Christ and you could learn something new. So that's good. Second thing, if you want to make an anger adjustment, do not hold on to your anger. The Bible, we read that verse earlier. said, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Guys, this is one of my marriage tips. I give to every couple that I marry now. I look at them and I go, you know, I've been married long enough, I can give marriage advice. Here it is, don't go to bed angry. Learn to say, I'm sorry. Anger does not, it does not age well. It is not an appreciating asset. It does not get better with time. I used to, uh, I used to eat a lot of cereal and I was notorious for eating cereal at at night until we got these large HD screens. (laughs) And I know y'all be talking trash about me. y'all wouldn't say anything to me. I'll go home and go, mm, pastor's been eating some cereal by the way. He's getting, <laughs> but anyway, I would leave the milk out. And I, a lot of times I would forget to put it back up. And Joy would come out and say, Alan, you left the milk out again. And um, I go, ah. Uh, but I never looked at Joy and said, oh, do I leave it out? Let's leave it out a couple more days. Because if you do, it'll be really tasty then. <laughs> you don't. Know, Boy, have you ever had sour milk and just, take, just taking a big swig of sour? Sal- that is one of the most disgusting things that you can ever encounter. That's a first-world problem, but it's nasty. It is really just—it's nasty. But anchors the same way. It doesn't age well. It doesn't keep well. So learn just to say. I'm I'm sorry. Some of you may have to... That might be a new word for you. I'm sorry. It is a a marriage-saving word. It's a relationship-saving word. It's a good word. Because we have to say it to the Lord, and it's good to say it to other people. Don't let anger hold on to you. Learn to let it go. And just get rid of it. And be free from it. It will make a difference in your life. Again, I can tell you... This is my testimony from someone who was angry angry, and someone whose mouth would get out of control. And I said things to my children that I regret. And they, you know, unfortunately, you ever notice they still remember those things today. The things said in anger, sometimes we forget all the good things said to us, but we can remember what people said when they were angry. And those words can hurt. So don't hang on to it. Don't, Don't embrace the idea that you have to be controlled by anger. You can control it. And then here is a big thought for you. I can promise you this. If you can begin to control your anger, and you can, it will improve, it will improve your whole demeanor. It'll make your morning commute easier. Because <laughs> you're just gonna be smiling at people and going, well, bless your heart. you." Are, yeah. <laughs> it will improve your relationships. Reducing anger in your life, man, it can improve your relationships. I've never met anyone that's ever come to me and said, Oh, uh, Pastor Allen, I just met this wonderful man and we're going to get married. He's the angriest man I have ever met in my life. No one says that because anger doesn't make relationships work well. And so it'll help you. It'll help your relationships. But here's the bigger thing. It's a good reflection of who your heavenly father is. Now, look at this verse here. This is in James. Of his own will, this is talking about of God's will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath or anger, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Would you leave that up there just for a moment? Of his own will, he brought us forth. In other words, he's saying this. He's talking about that born again experience that we are a rebirth. He said he brought us forth by the word of truth. We heard the truth. We responded to it that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creation. Now, here's, here's a great thought. We are, if you're a believer, we are God's masterpiece. We're the best of his creation. You say, well, Alan, I've seen the Rocky Mountains and they're the best of his creation. They are not, we are because the Rocky Mountains will one day disappear. We're the ones who will last eternally and the Bible never said he made the earth in his image, he made us in his image. And so we're the the best, we're born of noble birth. We have been born again into a royal kingdom and we reflect our heavenly father. And so when we reflect him well, our anger does not reflect him. It does not produce the righteousness of God. Now you parents know exactly what I'm talking about because your children reflect you. When, I, when we didn't have much money when Christina was small, Joy would, she said, I would save up and I would buy these, this fabric, and this lady in our town would make dresses, beautiful little dresses, and she would dress Christina for church so beautifully. And, and she said, she looked like a little doll. Well, why do we want to dress our children well? But one thing because we love our children, another thing is because they reflect us. We reflect our Heavenly Father. There was a a little girl came down after church one day, not here, somewhere else. And she, uh, she handed the pastor a dollar. And the pastor said, oh, thank you, sweetheart. And, you know he's down there talking, thank you, sweetheart. She, he said, what do I owe this wonderful gift? She looked at him, she said, well, my daddy said, you're the poorest preacher we've ever had. <laughs> Y'all are laughing too hard at that, guys. <laughs> now listen, as a parent, if your child did that, Most parents would be mortified. They'd be like, oh my gosh, Pastor Ellen, I am so sorry. You you would feel bad. And if you think it's funny and you're gonna send your child down today, don't send them down with a dollar. (laughs) Bring a Benjamin. And I'm like, yes, thank you. (laughs) But the ideas are we we reflect, our children reflect us and we reflect our heavenly father. And our anger does not show the rightness of God. It does not show his nature. You say, well, God gets angry, but God is totally just. And the anger of man does not reflect the right. That's the big picture, guys. The Bible said we're ambassadors for Christ. You may not realize this, but you are a walking testimony. And people who don't know God watch your life. And they watch my life. And they watch how we operate. And they want to make sure that we're doing things. As they watch us, they're getting a picture of God. For years, when after I became a pastor, I became very much aware of the fact that I represented God and I represented this church. I'm driving with my son one day. I'm in the car and the lady pulls over into my personal left lane and starts going slow. And man, I'm about to give her the horn action. I'm this, I was in in my Yukon, I was about to give her the horn and Matthew's driving with me. Matt goes, probably a church member, dad. and I backed off that horn (laughs) because no one wants to look up in the rear view and see their pastor blowing the horn. (laughs) But we don't recognize, say, well, I'm aware of that because I'm a pastor. But are you aware of the fact that you're the first fruits of God's creation? You're his masterpiece. And we show people a picture of him and our anger doesn't do it. In India, a number of years ago, a man walked into a pastor's office and he was angry and he began to, crit- to criticize and accuse the pastor completely uh, he, they were complete fabrications there was nothing true but he was angry and he said all these unkind things and the pastor sat there and after it was over the Indian said what have you got to say about it? the pastor sat there for a moment and he gets up and he walks into a washroom that was attached to his office and he gets a basin of water and he comes back out and he sits at the man's feet the man said what are you doing? He said, well, he said, all the things that you said, all the accusations, he said, are not true. He said, but you're obviously very, very upset. So I felt like I needed to ask for your forgiveness and to wash your feet. The man broke and began to cry. And for the first time, he opened his heart up and received Jesus as his Lord. What the man, what that pastor showed him was the goodness of God. That's our job. There's some people that, they won't come in here, but they'll watch you. If they see me coming, everybody straightens up when they see the pastor. People stop cussing. People stop doing, they see me, they straighten up. But you can sneak up on them. (laughs) And they can see God's goodness in you. Would you bow your head for a moment? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life, We want to give you an opportunity to do that. We're not going to have you stand up or come down here to the front, but sitting right in your seat, you can make a decision that changes your eternity. Maybe you're here and you you say, Alan, I I used to serve the Lord and I've gotten away from him and I know it and I want to come back. But we're going to say a prayer. Both prayers will apply to you. If you're watching online, this is is for you as well. But if you're here today, I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. If that's you that I'm talking to and you say, Alan, I know I need the Lord Jesus in my life. Or I know I need to come back to him. Would you pray for me? Shoot your hand up real quick. Just right across this auditorium. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for your courage. Thank you. Anybody else? So say, Ellen, that's me. Would you pray for me? You Put your hands down. We're going to pray. You know, heads are bowed. And eyes are closed. No one's looking around. But I just want you to, I'm going to lead you in this prayer. You repeat it with me. You're watching online. If you're by yourself, pray it out loud. If you're with others, you pray it quietly. We're going to pray it with you as a church family. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior. Is the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed still. Heavenly Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer, for those who have stepped out of spiritual darkness into the light, and for those who have come back. We rejoice with them. Thank you for doing a work in them, Father, that you will complete until eternity. Now, Father, for all of us, those who felt like anger's had a hold on them or anger has been hurting their family, thank you for a ray of hope that they can come free from that. For whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And Lord, we thank you for the ability and the capacity to walk out of anger and control it. Thank you for that, Lord. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.